Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar. Chapter 9. Friday's family reunion dinner took place outside under a canopy tent that had been set up for the weekend. It was peak swankiness for only 75 people. Prior to the dinner, Cherry, Hayes, Emily, and Claire snuck upstairs to the bedroom they were sharing as, quote, family members. Okay, so let's go through what we have so far, Claire sighed, breaking down the information that she had gathered. I talked with two of the cousins we have on our B-list. They both live nearby, and they both seem uninvolved with the family. I did talk to that Beatrice daughter, and she's kind of a bitch. Calling her a bitch is an understatement and offense to bitches out there, Emily corrected. She's at least a mega bitch. Well, Beatrice is a lawyer, Cherry explained. Aren't most lawyers bitches? Hey, you're not going to hear a disagreement from me. I dated four lawyers in the past five years, Claire snorted. And thankfully, I didn't marry any of them. They would have cleaned me out. As if you have money to begin with, Hayes gasped softly. I don't know if it's the law background or her personality, but Beatrice was bitchy as hell. Claire added, to which the room collectively nodded. I didn't get a chance to talk to Beatrice yet. What would her motive be? Emily stewed for a second. She and her husband make almost 250000 a year. Their finances are best after Sir Charles. They're not hurting for cash. Maybe she doesn't like her father, Hayes threw out there. I think we can all agree that Sir Charles is a chauvinistic womanizer. Uh, he's the physical embodiment of the song Womanizer by Britney Spears. Sure, Beatrice might not like her father, but she clearly tolerates Sir Charles enough to be here, Claire surmised. And disliking someone is not enough of a reason to kill. If someone's going to want to kill Sir Charles, it's probably money-related. Emily, who did you talk to? I talked to Georgina, the second wife, Emily answered. She seems happy, has a husband, came to see everyone, another person that doesn't really fit into the motive. If she was upset with Charles, why wait decades to kill him? Georgina could have probably killed him back when they first got divorced, but now doesn't make sense. Good point, Claire acknowledged. But why would these ex-wives come? What memories does someone like Georgina have that makes her want to come here? I don't know. She was a stepmother to the kids. If anything, third wife Fiona's the weird one for coming, Hayes cut in. I talked with Fiona for a couple minutes. By the time she married Sir Charles, even the youngest son Marcus was out of the house. Fiona's just awkwardly in the middle of all this. Although, she does have a long-term boyfriend, and just like we said about Georgina, why would she try and kill Sir Charles now? Do we check finances on Georgina and Fiona? Claire asked. We did, all good there, Hayes continued, pulling up copies they had on the dresser. I did talk with one of our two suspicious cousins, Shirley. She's the one with the shopping addiction, and who's in 25000 deep in debt. Shirley and I didn't talk about that debt, but I did ask her about what I should know about the family. She talked about how Beatrice is a bitch, and that... Charles Jr.'s a player, and how Marcus is totally gay, but everyone pretends not to know. Shirley mentioned that the rest of the cousins were middle-rich snobs. Shirley seems a bit down-to-earth, perhaps too much. So, Hayes, you should become buddies with Shirley, then, Claire continued. And, Sherry, your report? I got to talk to all three siblings, Sherry said with a giant grin that said, take that. Damn, look at you go, Speed Racer. Hayes clapped his hands a few times sarcastically. Don't be totally obvious that you're casing them. I'm not being obvious. Relax. Cherry rolled her eyes, even though she was as obvious as a neon-colored mountain in the middle of a field. Charles Jr. wants to, and I quote, see me later. 
Beatrice is definitely a stone cold bitch, and Marcus is just a sassy gay guy who thinks he can hide being gay, when in reality he's the poster boy for gay guys. None of Sir Charles' kids scream killer vibes, but only time will tell. I love the late night pool party idea, Claire lauded. Hopefully we'll get the siblings and the two priority cousins at the pool tonight. Excellent work, Cherry. I do nothing less than excellent, Cherry reminded the group. Yes, we know what half the men's bathroom walls say about you, Emily sassed before opening the door. They returned separately to the dinner area. Cherry had decided to sit at the table that was shared with Marcus, Rio, and a couple other gay male cousins. It was interesting that Marcus was still hiding it, unsuccessfully, Cherry would add, and that the cousins seemed out and proud about it. Sir Charles himself skedaddled by. Don't you all love, Liv? Sir Charles cried out to the table. It's Viv? Cherry picked up, hoping that her cover wouldn't be blown by a bumbling idiot. Sir Charles didn't seem to notice he had mistakenly called her Liv instead of Viv. We do, Marcus gasped like a woman who had spotted Elvis. Oh, she's just divine. Not everyone had gaydar, but not a single person could picture a straight man throwing the adjective divine out of their mouth with the tone of a songbird. Rio, are you still single? Sir Charles asked, and the whole table looked murky. Obviously, Rio and Marcus were playing sausage party at their condo, but suddenly everyone turned away from each other, not wanting to draw eye contact. Sorry, Viv isn't my type, Rio sighed casually, like he was into blondes and not redheads. Oh, next time then, Sir Charles said, as if they regularly scouted out women together. I don't know how long you two will stay in bachelorhood. I have plenty of attractive women for Rio this weekend. If a record player could scratch itself into oblivion, this would have been the perfect time for it. Sir Charles moved on, chatting with people while he went. The other gays at the table were quiet for a minute before shifting the talk to pop queens. Charlie leaned forward to dig into Marcus's relationship with his father. So why does your dad not know about, well, you and Rio? Oh, my dad knows I'm roommates with Rio. Let me rephrase, you with Rio? Well, I'm with Rio right now. You know what I mean? Cherry's voice was the exact same tone of someone rolling their eyes. I'm from L.A., dear. I can spot a gay a mile away. Listen, my father is a bit conservative. Sir Charles can't be that conservative about relationships when he's been married four times. True. Marcus's face looked a bit relaxed, as if his constipation had passed. But I've just never had to tell him, and it's awkward. I suppose I get that, but, like, wouldn't you feel better if you were just honest? That's literally what Rio says all the time. I'll think about it. Cherry thought Marcus would rather drink bleach than ever insinuate to his father that he had kissed Rio even once. With dinner concluded, the entire family moved to the bowling alley, which had five lanes. One might assume five lanes was overly aggressive for one mansion, but the five lanes had come in handy for the family reunion. Cherry found herself on a team of six with cousin Ricky, one of the two cousins that they had flagged as a priority cousin. Ricky's problem was that he was an alcoholic and hit so many rock bottoms that he invented the phrase rock bottom. Cherry had noticed that most of the family had been walking on eggshells around Ricky as if they were worried he was going to beg for spare change. Ricky looked much better at the reunion than his mugshots, video evidence, and past photos. I've been sober for six months, Ricky confessed quite immediately to Cherry as if she had noticed he was a recovering addict. It feels more like a year, though. Six months, six days, six hours, that's still hella impressive. Cherry raised her glass of vodka tonic and then quickly lowered it, feeling that it was inappropriate to toast with liquor in this situation. 
She placed the vodka tonic on the floor and then scooted it over a few inches, as if it wasn't her drink. I'm Ricky. I'm Viv, cousin out from L.A. Oh, big city girl, Ricky chuckled. You're one of the small handful who I don't know, which I like, because it means you're unable to judge me. Who says I'm not judging you right now? Oh, big city girl with sass. Stop, you are totally my type. Too bad we are family. Internally, Cherry snorted. What the hell was this family? A bunch of sexual deviants that were on the verge of incest? Yeah, dummy, it's a family reunion, not the bar. Oh shit, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. No, you're fine. It's crazy to think about how we're used to talking about booze, bars, and all that shit. Seriously? Cherry almost grabbed her vodka, but thought about it and decided to let it sit. You're on deck! Eh, I'm not much of a bowler, Ricky sighed. Where from Cleveland are you from? Currently living in Tremont. Cherry froze for a second, because that's exactly where she was living at the moment. She was worried that maybe he knew exactly who she was. He didn't seem to recognize her, but at the same time, Ricky could be playing a long game. What's Tremont? An apartment complex? Cherry feigned, and Ricky laughed, which meant he bought her stupid bait. Or so Cherry hoped. Nah, it's like a small little suburb, kind of, except filled with restaurants and, like, condos. It's all the way out by downtown Cleveland. This is a drive for you. Better than staying home doing nothing. My roommates all go to the bars, and I don't trust myself yet. Damn, you're being really responsible. I know, and it sucks. One of the younger kids told Ricky it was his turn to bowl, and so Ricky went ahead and bowled his turn, knocking down eight pins over his two turns. I thought you weren't that good, Cherry cried out as she went up for her turn. I'm not that was just luck, I promise, Ricky joked. Cherry nabbed seven points for Viv. You did better than me, Cherry joked as she sat back down. Yikes, is that the success bar? <laughs> Clearly, Cherry paused, and it felt like it was natural to jump in. So do you get like along with anyone here, or are you just like the black sheep of the family? Eh, mostly everyone treats me like I'm ready to jump into deep end at any moment. Is that true? Not yet, Ricky smiled. My parents aren't here. They moved to Florida. They were tired of winters up here, and my shit, I think. Sir Charles, well, he's kind of my dad. He actually covers my rent and helps me when I get in trouble. Cherry paused at this information, because there were two different possibilities here. Either Ricky was reliant on Sir Charles and would never think of hurting Sir Charles because he needed the cash. Or perhaps Ricky wanted immediate guaranteed cash and rent by offing Sir Charles altogether. She flagged this, hoping to talk to Sir Charles later about the relationship. That's awesome that Sir Charles is like a father to you. I go to him for wisdom. He's like a life coach. One day when I'm on my feet and actually have things to my name again, I'll thank him 20 times over. Cherry and Ricky talked for a bit more, and the bowling party fizzled out. The younger kids went to the arcade room, while the teenagers drifted to the movie lounge. The cool adults were soon going to meet at the pool, which gave Cherry, Claire, Hayes, and Emily time to chat some more in their bedroom while getting changed for the pool. I didn't know this until now, but Sir Charles is covering Ricky's rent, Cherry informed, in a voice that was similar to a giddy schoolgirl. I can't tell if that's something that would indicate murder, or means he wouldn't murder the old man. You need to talk to Sir Charles, Claire demanded to Cherry, as if Cherry was the only one Sir Charles would truthfully confide in. Poke him on this stuff. Be careful asking Cherry to poke someone, Emily rebuted. She might have a different idea than what you mean. I think Charles, the billionth junior, wants to see me tonight, so can one of the rest of you see Sir Charles? Cherry coyly asked with a girlish grin. Fine, I'll do it, Emily said quickly. I'd rather only be at the pool party for two minutes anyway. 
So who are our biggest suspects? Hayes asked the room. Or are we just kind of stuck right now? No one speaks to me yet, Claire added. There's a lot of possibility, but we got to start making moves today. I've worked on Marcus and I'm leaning towards Innocent. I'll work on Ricky tonight, Cherry said while moving to change the bathroom. She put on her sexiest two-piece that was so skimpy, it was more like a zero-piece. And probably Charles Jr. He seemed quite flirty with me earlier. I'll try and shackle up with Beverly, if she's there, Claire sighed. She has such a bitchy attitude, I feel like she might have something to do with all this. As a fellow bitch, I can say that not every bitch is up to something. Emily defended and got nods from her peers. Wait, are you nodding because you agree, or because you think I'm a bitch? Both! Cherry said, applying lotion in a very sexual manner. Why are you applying suntan lotion? It's almost ten o'clock, Claire asked with a confused eye. Oh, this is tanning lotion, Cherry explained. I want to keep my tan up, and also because it's proved that guys like girls who look wet. Emily's nose was more scrunched than a slinky in distress. The cool kids-only pool party was a thin crowd, but thankfully most of their prime suspects were there. Beatrice and her weak-looking husband Tyler were the last to arrive. Beatrice and her towel sat down next to Emily, right by the bath that led back to Watershed Manor. Do you not swim? Beatrice questioned, giving Emily a look up and down as if to prejudge Emily's swimming abilities. Swimming is for fish, Emily said, sipping from a large goblet of white sangria. And if I were to be an animal, I'd probably be a judgmental bird. <laughs> That's funny, Beatrice chuckled, turning to her husband. Will you go get me a white sangria? My cousin picked the right drink. Tyler was up and away quicker than a dog after a bone. Noticing as such, Emily turned to Beatrice with a smile. You have your man ready at your command. That's lovely. The best piece of advice came from a sorority sister back in the day. She told me not to settle until I could find a man who'd be willing to do anything for me. And that's what I did. Define anything. It's probably easier to define what's not included in everything. The two girls laughed, and Beatrice plowed on. I'm Beatrice. Sir Charles is my father. Leanne. Emily offered a hand, which Beatrice took. And how are we related? I'm part of your Uncle Frank's family tree. From what I know about Uncle Frank, his family is marred by a ton of trash. This comment made Emily sit up a bit in her beach chair. Even though Emily was living a familial lie, she felt like she had to defend this trashy family. Even within all that trash, you sometimes find a couple accidentally tossed aside pieces. Oh, I didn't mean to imply that you were trash, dear. No offense taken. I know my worth. Emily, a.k.a. Leanne, smiled, happy to distract Beatrice from digging up details on the family. After all, they were faux cousins. But Beatrice was a lawyer. If there was anyone who might want the details, it could be her. I've just heard stories. I have an ear for stories. Beatrice smiled. You're all good. Emily almost made a joke about how Beatrice's face was all ear, but figured it was best to stifle the sarcasm. Emily knew that she herself could be classified under bitch, subsection, stone cold, but even Beatrice had Emily beat. Emily guessed that Beatrice was classified frozen, negative temperature, frigid bitch. Knowing that they had lingered too long in this downturn of a conversation, Emily switched gears. I was talking to Sir Charles, and he said he's had a few accidents around here. Emily explained. Almost made it seem like someone's trying to hurt him or something. He's just old. Beatrice rolled her eyes softly. Staircases and bathtubs can become death sentences for those who are old. They can be a death sentence for anyone who isn't too careful. So there's no real rationale to Sir Charles' complaints, 
I believe my father is experiencing what he's saying he's experiencing. Beatrice's politico would be inspiring to all politicians everywhere. I just doubt someone is behind this, like it's a game of clue in the manor. Well, if you felt like someone was behind it, any guesses? Beatrice eyed Emily with the casual nuance of someone who was trying to make out an intent. Emily held the eye contact, trying to seem like this was nothing more than family conversation. Beatrice went to open her mouth, but out of the woodwork came Beatrice's husband, Tyler. He was holding a goblet of white sangria and a bottle of water. Is that water for me as well? Thank you so much. Beatrice grabbed both drinks. Emily watched as Tyler opened his mouth and then closed it. A person with perspective would have seen that Tyler had gotten the water for himself, but a narcissist like Beatrice would have no clue. I will say we are one hell of a family, Beatrice said, ignoring the sangria and guzzling the water down her throat. Beatrice made loud drinking sounds as if she was purposely teasing her husband with the stolen ration. Tyler watched on like he was having to put his childhood dog down. It appears so, Emily nodded. Beatrice capped the water and held onto it like she had given birth to it. Tyler sat down with pursed lips, no doubt, desiring water. Over on the other side of the pool, Jerry was now interacting with cousin Shirley, the shopaholic. You look so good in that bathing suit, Shirley gasped. Where did you get this? I think in like a bodega in L.A. I can't really remember. Jerry shrugged, unable to truthfully explain it had been at a local mall here in the Cleveland area that had yet to be converted into an Amazon warehouse. I kind of have a shopping problem. Oh my gosh, me too. Shirley's mouth dropped open, while Cherry did her best to act shocked, as if she wasn't primed with that information. No way! Cherry dropped her jaw halfway to the ground. How do you cope? I barely cope, Shirley sighed. I'm taking classes, and I'm on a tight budget, but it's hard. I see stuff and I want it. My therapist thinks it has something to do with my need for attention as a child. Cherry continued to nod as Shirley explained her financial difficulties. In the background... Cherry could see Charles Jr.'s eyes on her like she was a flashcard and he was trying to memorize the material. Cherry did her best to appear like she was interested in him, which involved some fingers twirling her hair, some repositioning of her body, and simply popping her chest out like she was doing some sexy yoga on the poolside. Does anyone help you financially? Cherry finally asked. Otherwise, Shirley was just going to keep talking about the psychology behind shopping addiction. Besides, Cherry didn't think it was an addiction if you had the money or if rich people wanted to buy the material for you. No, and I don't want them to. Shirley shook her head. This is my mess. Besides, I'm a nurse. I make decent money. I just have to start acting more responsible. I have to be a woman and not a girl. I see. Cherry nodded, believing that last little inspirational quote was a bit dramatic. But you'd, like, love if a nice check came around and clear this whole debt up, right? Like, if someone gave you or otherwise passed away and left you money, that would be easy for you. No. Shirley shook her head vigorously, and Cherry was worried Shirley was going to strain her neck. I want to do this by myself. I don't want someone else to just cement over my mistakes. Cherry almost rolled her eyes, but kept her marbles straight ahead. Shirley spoke as if every other line was a quote ready for a newspaper article. So even if the money just landed in your lap, you'd want to pay the debt off by your own sweat and money? Cherry clarified. Absolutely. I've become an adult now. I have to act like an adult. Cherry took in the information and continued to talk with Cousin Shirley. The crowd thinned out as midnight approached. Charles Jr.'s wife, Samantha Grier Worthington, walked out, waving goodbye to the few remaining family members. Shirley herself had retired, leaving Cherry alone by the edge of the pool. Shall we retire? 
Charles Jr. asked, standing next to Cherry. Get to know each other a bit more? Absolutely, Cherry smiled, standing up. Should I dry myself off, or shall I prepare to get more wet? I'd say the latter. Charles Jr. chuckled as the two sauntered away from the pool. Chapter 10 Where are we going? As Charles Jr. led her to a room on the first floor. The library. Charles Jr. smiled. A room nobody visits, which means we can have some privacy. Perfect, Cherry chuckled, showing a sensual smile as Charles Jr. opened the door to the empty library, allowing them to enter. Charles closed the door behind them. If there's one thing I know about my father, it's that every important room in the house is liquored with a bar. Charles pointed to the small table adorned with liquor bottles. See? What would you like, Viv? Vodka's my go-to. Most gorgeous women do prefer vodka to other spirits. Charles Jr. smiled, pouring out vodka for Viv and switching to whiskey for himself. What do you do? Aspiring actress and model. Oh, that's a tough business. I think I'm talented enough to handle it. I believe you. I'd like to see your talents. Cherry grinned. She could tell that Charles Jr. was used to swaying women with his charm and appearance. What girl could say no to a pressed pinstripe suit of scruffy beard and eyes the color of pine needle green? But while Charles may be a master of seduction, Cherry had a PhD in seduction. And the best part was that Cherry could manipulate this man into thinking he had all the control. What talents do you want to see, Charles Jr.? Any that make you pay the big bucks. I'm diverse in what I do, Cherry winked. Besides, I was told to try not to act for free. You can always get a paycheck or a lunch out of a gig. Well, I did get you a drink. Logically, your father did. Fine, you can show me your talents later. Tell me more about yourself. No fair, I was going to ask you that question. Cherry chuckled, playfully shoving Charles Jr., who was next to her on the library's couch. Well, you probably want to know about the family. Sure, tell me everything. Well, I'm the oldest sibling. Beatrice is the middle child, and she's kind of a bitch, but I still love her. Marcus is the youngest one, and he's always been like the baby. Everyone but my dad knows that Marcus and Rio are together. Don't get me started on that. Do you get along with your dad's current wife? Wife, Charles chuckled. I'm all about a mutually benefiting relationship, but even I had to roll my eyes when he introduced us to Lindsay. I felt it was a sign of either ego or an inability to see through her. Clearly Lindsay's here for the money and the comfort, but he's a bit too... Maybe he wants to think she's genuinely interested in him. I'm not sure. Sir Charles was telling me about how he thinks someone's out to kill him. Oh, jeez, he told you about that? Charles Jr. rolled his eyes, perhaps the same way he had when he had met Lindsay. Yeah, I think he told a couple of us. I wasn't sure if I should take it seriously. Don't, he's just paranoid. I don't know, he didn't seem too paranoid, just worried. My father's will is stone tight and pressed. Lindsay, my mother, my father's other two exes, my siblings and I split the estate and finances pretty equally. There's some small cash amounts for other people in the family, not enough to kill over. Besides, my father has given the poor people in our family loans for years. Nobody even needs the cash. For instance, my sister and I are doing quite well for ourselves. We don't need the cash. And I can't see Marcus killing an acorn, let alone plotting to kill his own father. So you don't think anyone would kill your father over financial reasons? I mean, I don't think so. 
Charles Jr. shot her a confused glance. Why do you care so much? Sorry, this kind of stuff gets me worked up. I thought about being a police officer if acting didn't work out. Is that so? Charles chuckled under the belief that Viv was opening up to him. Instead, Jerry was planting cherry seeds in the exact places that she wanted. Well, you tell me what you think, knowing what you know. Are my father's claims of murder legitimate? On the surface, I'd say they all seem like issues one would encounter from just being old, right? Like falling down the stairs and slipping in the tub, even chucking on a scone. That seems like a regular accident. But, like, think about what your dad said. The wax on the stairs shouldn't have been there. It wasn't waxing day. And then the conditioner he slipped on wasn't even his brand. Yeah, I thought he was just exaggerating. I don't think so. See, there's, like, a gut feeling when we have, when we experience something. And I believe your father when he talks about it. So, who did it? Who is doing it? I don't know. But going off of what you said, it has to be one of the siblings, or... One of the ex-wives or, or Lindsay? Charles paused and looked at Cherry. You're pretty smart and intuitive for a model and an actress. Ah, oh, thanks so much. Cherry leaned forward, hoping to distract him with her looks and sweet words. She had perhaps pressed too much, and Cherry didn't want Charles Jr. to be suspicious. Well, it wasn't me, I promise, Charles Jr. said, still worried about his father, it seemed. The person I suspect the most would be Lindsay. She's like 20. She's not really into my father. She's definitely here for the money. That's a good guess. I guess we'll have to see if any evidence pops up. Something of mine is popping up. Cherry's eyes quickly confirmed that something was popping up in Charles Jr.'s lap. Now, here was a dilemma for Cherry. She did not like to sleep with married men for two reasons. Ethics, and because Cherry did not want to take the chance and build a crush for a married man. But Cherry had to quickly weigh her options. Should she go through with at least making out with the man, if not to just keep her undercover status intact? Would he question her if she said no? I'm sorry, I, I didn't know you had a wife earlier, Cherry whispered. I'm not, I, I can't be with a married man. We have an open marriage, Charles Jr. shrugged. Ten minutes later, the two were putting their clothes back on and finishing their drinks when a commotion came from the hallway. What in the world was that? Charles Jr. asked, causing the two of them to bolt out of the library. They moved towards the suspected direction of the sounds. They discovered a howling Sir Charles in the lush living room. He was bleeding from his head, and his whole body was shaking like a wet dog. What happened? Charles Jr. asked, as the living room filled with other family members. A few people looked like they had been sleeping. Others appeared interrupted. A random family member had ran to get a first aid kit while Sir Charles' young wife, Lindsay, looked more panicked than a buffet manager at the arrival of a busload of plus-sized customers. I was attacked, Sir Charles shouted, like he was on stage performing a musical called I Was Attacked. Someone hit me on the back of my head. What? Are you sure? Lindsay gasped, as did most of the crowd. A few looked incredulous. Others appeared ready for the juicy details. Who would have done this? Claire, Emily, Hayes, and Cherry all eyed each other. They had cameras and microphones set up. They know soon enough. This case was wrapping up quicker than a submarine in wax paper. Get me to bed, please, Lindsay, Sir Charles spat, looking at the ground with suspicion. Whoever did this, karma will come. Trust me. 
Cherry on Top is written, produced, and hosted by Matt Rebar. 